welcome to the Gateway House podcast. My name is Ashani Shukla and I am a website intern here at Gateway House. Today we are joined by Rajni Bakshi, Gandhi Peace Fellow, and the topic for discussion is the World Social Forum that was held in Montreal in August of this year. Thank you for speaking with us, Rajni. To begin with, what is the World Social Forum? The World Social Forum is a open space and a very loose uh, network of uh, combination of NGOs, people's movements, uh, academics, and uh, some of the funding agencies of the NGO sector from across the world. It was founded in 2001 in uh, Porto Alegre, which mm-hmm. was the first time that it met in Brazil. Right. And it was actually inspired partly by a Brazilian businessman who had attended the World Economic Forum in Davos, or Davos. Uh, and he and a few other people had this idea that why not have a parallel world social forum. Right. Where you could address the needs and the concerns of people and ecology rather than uh, the focus remaining entirely on economics and at that too uh, of the people who really wield the money power in the world which is what uh, the forum in Davos is on. And it is now uh, well approximately yeah, 15 years old mm-hmm. and it doesn't meet every year. Uh, the World Social Forum meetings have happened uh, at irregular intervals but on an average about once every two years. Right. Uh, and it has moved to different parts of the world. It had the first time it came out in Brazil was uh, uh, that that the World Social Forum was held outside of Brazil. It was in India actually mm-hmm. by in 2004. It's been held in Tunisia. It's been held in uh, Kenya, <coughs> and this was the first time that it was held in a uh, so-called developed country, right. Montreal. Okay. Um, well, as you mentioned, and also the World Social Forum describes itself as a forum that stands in opposition to a process of globalization that is commanded by large multinational corporations and governments and in- international institutions at the service of those corporations. Um, so do you, do you feel that there is a need for such a forum today in, in our world? And, and if so, well, why? The, the, see, the need for such a forum arose out of the uh, opposition firstly to the WTO which was happened in different ways through the 1990s and that opposition to WTO was partly based on the uh, the opposition came from NGOs and various kinds of grassroots movements across the world and the reasons were twofold one that uh, the trade regimes that the WTO facilitated and encouraged were uh, doing exactly the opposite of what was needed ecologically. Right. Uh, in 1992, at the Rio Earth Summit, it became pretty, you know, the term sustainable development is officially adopted by the governments of the world. Mm-hmm. And yet, and so following that recognition that development per se was not sustainable and it would have to be made sustainable. Uh, what was needed was it was, were trade regimes that actually uh, uh, penalized mm-hmm. excessive extraction of un- non-renewable resources and encouraged the uh, uh, trade or the exchange of recipes rather than shipping of cakes, which is the, the analogy that has been most commonly used. Right. 
but the wto regime did exactly the opposite it it encourages long distance trade as an end in itself right and so that has consequently uh, added much more it has had two impacts one is that in terms of ecological footprint the world the trade regime of the world has moved further and further away from ecological sustainability and the and the other is that and so the second level of opposition to the wto and the whole uh, kind of uh, global financial governance that the world trade uh, the world world bank and imf etc and the g7 or at that time g8 were uh, in, uh, were pushing for and succeeding in doing mm-hmm. that uh the second and main reason was that uh it made corporations more and more powerful in relation to various other forms of business and even more so in relation to the people at the absolute bottom of the pyramid right and all, all of this has been borne out because as you have seen uh and on the gateway house website we have carried this data many times that in the last uh, 15 years the disparity of asset accumulation has worsened much more it's so the uh, distortion of how much assets are owned by 1% of the world's people is much worse now than it was in 2001 right so definitely there is a need for a forum that gives voice to the concerns of the people at uh, the grassroots of economy and at many levels about that and well as you have also argued that uh, the world social forum has been ahead of uh, ahead of the curve like on a number of uh, issues such as climate change and fair trade what are some of the solutions that the WSF has been able to develop on of the on these issues and has it been able to action any of them Well, the important clarification that needs to be made here is that the World Social Forum is not itself an action. Uh, there is nothing. It's it's a platform. It's like the Kumbh Mela. The Kumbh Mela doesn't do anything. It, it's a space where people meet. Yeah. And they, in that case, it's a religious or a spiritual gathering. In this case, it is an open meeting of people who share, in some way or the other, the the same struggle. They are. Okay. they are a fraternity in that they are all involved in the same struggle sure. but the world social forum is not an organization it does not issue any you know statements it does not uh, jump into the fray and itself try to like uh, you know run a campaign right but the, so therefore the answer to your question is that at different levels the constituents the people who come to this platform many in many different shapes and forms they have had an impact so for example many of them would have had quite a role in the shaping of what are now the sustainable development goals mm-hmm. that have been adopted by the un they have had a they have had a role not a very successful one unfortunately in pushing for a better and better uh, a stronger climate deal right So in that they have now there are two ways of looking at this. Some people would say that they have failed to get a meaningful climate deal, and the governments and corporations have, uh, you know, not moved far enough. But the other way of looking at it is that because of that pressure from the ground, even the very unsatisfactory agreement that happened in Paris was that you know at least that much was possible. 
So, right. uh, but in this case, I'm afraid it's not good enough to say whether the bottle, in the case of climate and the Paris Agreement, uh, it's not good enough to say that oh, let's look at the bottle being half full rather than half empty. Uh, and in fact, that is the uh, most uh, painful uh, uh, kind of uh, dilemma that the groups that gather at WSF are facing, where they do feel actually that they have not had as much impact as they would have liked to have on climate negotiations mm-hmm. and on changing the development paradigm, because they feel much most of the groups that were present at the Montreal. WSF feels that the sustainable development goals, as defined by the UN, are still basically trying the existing power structures, and they are not going to work, or they are not even meant to work for a paradigm shift in the very notion of development. Well, keeping that in mind, do you think that in the future it might be possible for policymakers and existing multilateral organizations to actually work with uh, the WSF, and how might that come about? So working with the WSF as such, uh, as I said, since it's not a bureaucracy, it's not a organization that you know runs on a day-to-day basis and has operations, etc. That is uh, not possible. But there are two ways in which what you're saying can be addressed. One is that I do strongly feel that if the World Social Forum meetings continue. An effort must be made to bring uh, to to have interaction at that platform between the the constituents of WSF and policymakers and multilateral organizations. Uh, the reason why this has fallen off the agenda over the last many years, perhaps partly, is because uh, some of the more radical positions were uh, perhaps being more loudly expressed and therefore policymakers and multilateral organizations um, personnel are reluctant to engage with the extreme radical views. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, I think whether it is done at the World Social Forum or some other in some other format or some other forum, the revival of these, uh, I would say it's not just the three entities, activists, policymakers and multilateral organizations, it's also important to include representatives of the multinational corporations. Right. Uh, how can this come about? Well, partly I have mentioned uh, to some extent uh, that you know uh, that a, a kind of a third space can be created. But the other is that in the power uh, platforms, that is whether it's the G7 or the G20 or the IMF World Bank annual meeting, mm-hmm. uh, it is important that some of the constituents of WSF be invited and be uh, encouraged to speak freely and frankly. Right. Now, at one point, the, the World Economic Forum in Davos has done that from time to time, but by and large, they have tended to invite people who they feel they can tolerate. Right. Uh, I think now the situation is much more grim than it was because, uh, say, 15 years ago, because even the mainstream of business and policy making realizes that uh, the economic recovery after the 2008 financial crisis is uh, barely is, is you know limping along. Right. And uh, the uh, crisis of unemployment and underemployment globally is not getting any better. 
the ILO reports, uh, International Labour Organization reports are saying this year after year after year, they're saying it has become a chronic problem. And environmental degradation also, pretty much all the data is still in the, in the negative. So the, the imperative for uh, policymakers and business leaders to listen to some of the radical voices is very important. But at the same time, it will be equally important that uh, the, the constituents of World Social Forum, and they are very diverse, that more and more of them are uh, uh, willing uh, to engage with the mainstream uh, power structures right. uh, to also look for compromises and, and you know look for incremental changes because otherwise there is a risk that uh, when you hold out for a completely radical answer that you may miss some of the intermediate um, possibilities that were, sure. uh, that could be explored. Uh, but this is a very creative tension because there is also merit in at least articulating the extreme radical solution mm -hmm. because that's how you come to the kind of uh, uh, compromise answers. Uh, well, let's hope that that does happen in the future. Um, that is uh, all the time we have for, for today. Um, thank you for speaking with us, uh, Rajni. Yeah, thank you for your for the opportunity. For more podcasts, visit our website.